When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you hear that sound. You feel the feels. You understand. Friday is for the arts. Welcome on back in. October 6, 2000. And 23, coming at you with a bang. This is Morning Combat, the best damn combat sports show, period. And we got the hardware to prove it, right? We got the frozen rope to show you right now to prove it, right, Luke? You know, we are rock hard with a haircut and a hey, Wow, look at Luke Thomas. Yeah, I'm Brian Campbell. I'm the BBC with that BDE, the beige bastard. I work really hard, and this is... uh yeah, the double A uh, uh, American Alpha. Follow me below. And also, that's my co host, just a fantastic fight analyst. His name is Luke Thomas. Luke, how much did that spectacular haircut cost you? A lot because it was only $40. That's what you're asking what the cost was. But this was the third time I'd gone to this lady where she made me wait 30 minutes without saying anything to me while she had another client ahead. Yeah. And uh, didn't say sorry, uh, and then is now moving to a different state completely, and now I have to find a new lady. So, like, I was just pissed I had to wait that long again. And also, there's been two times I showed up, and I've been like, "Here's I'm ready for my haircut. And they're like, oh, yeah, she's on vacation. I'm like, right, but your online service lets me book her. They're like, yeah, we just, we don't, we haven't really fixed that. I'm like, all right. well, I mean... Hey, Am I justified of, in beating everyone inside of that place with a hammer? I don't know no, the answer no, to that, no, but I no. felt like it. No, these are first world problems. You'll hang in there, sir. I mean, you do look your age with that haircut, which is good, Luke, rather than looking like Teen Wolf's father. But uh, it's great <laughs> to have you back on the show and fired up just the same. Hey, we got a great show for you today. Not just, okay, that final thoughts on the weekend to come from everything from UFC to Bellator to boxing to one championship. Looking and reacting at the most recent news, apparently, Luke, Mike Perry's not replacing Dylan Dennis, or so I think. I'm not really sure. But also, hang around, top of the hour, about noon Eastern. John S. Nash is going to slide through here, bloody elbows on. We got a lot of business to talk about with that gentleman. We'll get down to that, enjoy it. Hey, not the face. Do you think he'll show his face, Luke, or will he be like you during a Zoom meeting with top executives? Yeah, again, I don't need to have a Zoom uh, pajama party on these calls. If you want my voice in attendance, congratulations, you've achieved it. Like, uh, but well, he will we don't show need his your face. employment moving forward. You know, this this all, dude, you you see, you you're used to working in corporate America and just giving yeah. away all of your freedoms to them. You got they got to earn it. They got to earn freedom. it. You want freedom? I'll, I'll be in the call. You want me to talk? I'll talk. But okay. I'm gonna my camera off because like, I you want me to be polite. You're gonna have to blow me. That's how this works. All right, that's how this works. Uh, Is Mikey that asking Mormo. so much? Is that really no, asking I mean, so please. much? You know, in this modern day world, Mikey Mormal, CBS Sports on the ones and twos, a, a backbone of this facility. Hey, look, morningcombat.store can get you this beautiful hat and probably 
a shirt you're wearing. I think I got an undershirt. No, not on. this, not this one. I almost I forgot to wear oh, it. Oh yeah, look at morning. these chesticles right here. I got it all on for you, Luke. Here's what I want to say about it though. True or false? We just talked with RJ uh, Dunkle Gangbanger, and uh, first of all, as I call him, RJ's. First of all, RJ's congratulations on the birth of I'm assuming your beautiful daughter, and much love to to RJ and his significant other here, but. Uh, Along with that new addition, Luke, and I'm not talking about Bell, Biv, or DeVoe here, uh, I'm talking about there's more average Joe crossover merch to come. It's like right around the corner. And I heard, Luke, it's spectacular. That's what I Yeah, I actually got to see a sneak peek of it, I think. And um, it's better than you think it is. I'll put it that way. It's better than you think it is. Better than the rest. Yeah. Green to red, right, Luke? I mean, Luke, have you ever had a machine head? Machine, is that machine head from Bush? Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, it's so good, right? It's so good. Uh, anyway, we got to probably have a decent show for you. We'll, we'll dead wrong ourselves. Uh, we'll do some other things. Luke, uh, Showtime.com, the 30 days, right? You can get it right now. And why would you? How about Bellator 300 Saturday night from San Diego, which, of course, translates directly, Luke, to a whale's vagina. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anchorman. Not that funny. Not that funny. You know, for 2005, it was right. Borat too. Those are big comedic hits back then. They don't necessarily. Borat got up. old. I do agree. Borat got old pretty quickly at that. But the original Borat, I think, holds up. Oh God, dude. I I still don't think I've ever. Okay. Billy Madison and Borat collectively are probably the most I've ever laughed. But right when they came out, right, like the yes. most. I Billy like... Madison, I like a lot. There's a lot of Sandler movies I don't like, but Billy Madison is very, very, very good. Yeah. And uh, I do like like Step Brothers. I like a lot of Will Ferrell movies, but I for some reason feel like Anchorman's so funny. And I watched it, and I'm like, I would I would just rather get fucked to death by an eight dicked walrus than watch this. Hey, all right, all right. I mean, you know, there's there's examples that make sense. There's examples though that will force you to turn your Zoom camera on pretty quickly, Luke. Hopefully, that's not one of them right there. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to get into, Luke? Weekend plans? Uh, I don't know what, what what's going on in your world. No, um, I got a bunch of in-laws coming in a couple of weeks. I got a whole shit ton of in-laws coming in uh, two weeks, so I'm getting ready for that. But uh, I know what that means, Luke. That means you're going to be shopping for gifts, or maybe it's the other way around. No, How does because work? they're getting on the airplane and coming over here, they're going to be giving me gifts. But I don't Ooh. want these fucking gifts. But yo, you told me these are I like go, I got to get them gifts. These are like elite, thoughtful, like well-planned gifts, right? They used to be. Now it's usually just booze. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, I yeah. and I don't even drink hardly at all. I'm like, uh, yeah. thanks. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, uh, that's all we got for this intro here. I hope you enjoyed it. It's time now to transition to the meat of this show before we welcome in Mr. John S. Nash in about an hour. Let's get into OK Bet. We go head to head every week. Five picks against five picks. We took last week off, but we're back at it with a bang this week. Uh, we're going to find out who's worse at this, and then ultimately who has to be at a concert that they despise. We call this. Okay, bet. Moving your hand. Are you testifying? What's going on? To speak. May I speak? Yes, please. Now, I'm not going to make you do it. I'm not going to make you do it. I want to be clear because we didn't lock it in. But the fact that the Charlo pick that you had doesn't count on this ledger is something of a crime it's approximately well, well luke you know what i mean it's more of a crime i would say that that man did not 
show up to fight in the right. biggest fight of his career to back up right, my right. prediction. The biggest right. crime is that he punted. The second biggest crime is that you get to waltz through without that counting on the ledger. We didn't lock it in, so that's why I'm not going to force it. But I want you to know you got lucky as shit with that. All right. Hey, hey, quickly on that, right? Quickly on that. We were right. We were straight up after the fight. Charles didn't show up. Very no. disappointing performance. Dude, I went and just kind of took a circular look at the boxing takes of our media brethren. People are killing Jermel, like killing, like he'll never be the same. His reputation is soiled forever. I don't know if I'll go that far, Luke, but it was one of the bigger big fight disappointment performances we've seen in a while. You know, people, I think we initially were like, oh, was this as bad as Joshua Claudia against Pacquiao? And I still don't think it's as bad as no, that. No, because, dude, Claudia came out last year and basically said he fought like that because somebody was trying to fix the fight. Like, he had all these weird accusations. Yeah, yeah. But it, he, still, like, when we were watching it in real time, I was watching it at Buffalo, well, what used to be Buffalo Billiards in Washington, D.C. I remember I was like, dude, what the fuck is happening here? I still don't think it's as bad as that. But what I will say is that what you're talking about, the takes about Charlo are much closer to them putting it on par with Claudie than I even think it deserves. Or, but it doesn't like to your point, it's ubiquitous. Like he's getting yeah. murdered out I mean, there. I heard like, that zoo Mannix fight. He was, needs that zoo fight. Yeah. Chris Mannix was like, uh, you know, he took the check. He didn't even try to win one time. Like people going after this guy. I was like, damn. All right. I mean, he was the undisputed champ. You would expect a little bit more. For, you know, Claudie was not that guy. You know, Jermel was that guy. Indeed. Uh, also, don't forget Mikey Garcia. Uh, he he laid an Aldana size egg against Errol Spence in that pay per view after moving up two weeks. And was he ever the same? Nah, no, nah, he's no. not even a fighter anymore. Uh, look, before vacation, you and I went even two wins, three losses. So our standings will stay the same. The updated overall. Luke has one less win at 67, 68, and four. But I think. Due to winning percentage, Luke, that still gives you the edge over my 68, Barely. 70, and 1. So for at least one more week, you will have the champion's advantage. Uh, Luke, do you want to play? We got some sound related to these fight events. Do you want to play that first or after our picks? Um, I kind of want to hear a couple of these Bobby Green ones. Can we play a couple All of right. Bobby Green ones? Well, look, our biggest fight of the weekend, our main event pick is going to surround UFC at back at the apex fight night, a lightweight headliner with red hot Grant Dawson against the wily 37 year old veteran Bobby Green to set the stage right now, according to our, the odds makers and our friends at over there at Caesars. I mean, are they our friends? Luke? I don't think they return my calls that often, but I do know that what we're looking at here is Grant Dawson minus 440, Bobby Green plus 340. But there are some apparently extenuating circumstances surrounding why Bobby Green is here and what he's fighting for. What am I talking about? Bobby caught up with our own CBS Sports and Morning Combat's Shaquille Majuri on the Shaq MMA channel. And here's Bobby Green talking about exactly why he took this fight. I have a goal. I have three kids. And to get a home for each one of them kids and they be able to give them this. Hey, your home's here. It's paid off. That's my gift to you. My dad didn't give me anything. Maybe I can't pay for college. Maybe I can't get you all the things in the world. But here, I give you a home that you will always have. That's something that I as a kid, I had to go from 50 different homes. Something that you'll have that you won't have to go through that I had to. Uh, Luke, he would go on to talk about that uh, buying those homes may take him a little bit longer than expected due to a recent robbery. Let's hear this one. And I'm going to tell you a crazy story. Remember that 60 grand? Yeah. 
I have been giving it away for the last year or so. Really? Just giving it to people and helping people. And I think I had like 20 grand left, right? And just recently, like a week or two ago, I got robbed for the 20 grand. <laughs> and not literally on me, because I'll be dead right now. I'm going to die before I let somebody take something from me and me not fight. And so well, I think what happened was I was here for my buddy Alex Reyes' fight. He's fighting. Um, I'm here down here. I'm training for my fight, and I'm helping him. I'm dog tired. I must have freaking left my sunroof open. I left my sunroof open. I think they went into the sunroof and got my bag full of 20 cash. Damn. Well, so, I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. It it's a blessing for someone. Someone really needed it. If you need to jump into a sunroof to get some money, you probably really needed it. I was just about to say that. I don't think that's true. Um, <laughs> I don't look, think that's I, true at all. I want to have, you know, extreme uh, heart for this moment. But if you leave your sunroof open with twenty thousand dollars in a bag in your car yeah them are kind of the breaks in life right like that's 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 rough that's also rough. i just want to point out if someone puts a gun in your face and asks for your car or your phone just give it to them your shit is insured you'll just get another one like why the fuck would you fist fight over something yeah take, i don't give a fuck take, i'm gonna just get another one like you're gonna have it bitch you fight it out with the law i'll just go Get my insurance to cover for me. I'm not fighting over that shit one time. Nothing. Okay. Okay. Uh, Luke, Shaquille Missouri has in real time updated our Slack channel and told Mikey and I that he believes if we should finish OK Bet in a draw at the end of the year, that it would make us both losers and our punishment should be going to a rave with him. And I'm assuming that means dressed like a cow. If Your he mom. really wants to punish us, he should keep texting me. <laughs> keep asking for retweets look or what yeah <laughs> did you guys mind sharing this i it's my 50th text today <laughs> oh wow i mean come on that guy works hard for us luke uh, no no, can no. You speak he, no listen listen in all seriousness Shaq is actually a really sweet guy and he works really hard he does a great job it is fun this is why people don't get the bit is being mean on purpose that's the bit not being truthful just mean just mean Okay. All right. I go. finally understand bit. you. Finally, it took me only four years and nearly 500 episodes. Uh, Luke, what do you think of Bobby Green's bling in that clip? I mean, it, you know, combine that with the talk about buying his kids' houses and recouping that 20K. Does that change any of your thoughts heading into this on paper lopsided main event? I mean, I don't know how much selling the jewelry would get him closer to college tuition. I don't know that, but uh, I'm not going to, you know, micromanage his uh, spending choices. I think the um, the desire to leave them a house, given how incredibly messed up his upbringing was, is just super, 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 super admirable. And we've actually seen this before. Chris Lytle, he did fight a little bit later than I think he had naturally intended, but he had also changed his fighting style in the last several years of his career, folks may not remember this. Chris Lytle was a good fighter. He had good submissions. He had good striking, but he was never a really elite one. So what he decided to do was keep some of his very formidable skills, but just become much more offensively wide open. And it you know, caused him to win or lose a little bit more in dramatic fashion, but just that, it was more dramatic. So what ended up happening was he got shit tons of bonuses every time he fought. Remember, this is back at a time when you could have been like knockout of the night and fight of the night. So you could have gone, gone home with 75 or 100K. And I remember him doing interviews and saying like with this money he saved, he's got money for all his kids' colleges. He, he got a boat that he wanted to get, a second home, 
like all of this stuff that it provided. So I actually totally get where Bobby Green is coming from because we've literally seen it. I, I hope he can get there sooner rather than later. All right, we're going to get to that pick in a second, but we wanted to clean up some other fight week details. Luke, we know Bellator 300 is Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on Showtime from San Diego. How about this, Luke? Bellator, to commemorate this, maybe similar to how UFC used the yellow uh, canvas one time only at UFC 200. This is what Bellator is going to roll out for 300, the gold gloves. What do you think about this, Luke? It's cool, I guess. Right. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. I want, I don't See, hate I've it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't hate I've it. I've always um, argued that as a WWE fan too, if it's a pay-per-view do something in the arena that when we tune in or looking at a highlight, we will instantly yeah. know that was a special. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah, mind I definitely that don't, type of stuff. That's yeah. right. I definitely don't hate it. And it's probably definitely better than like having a gold canvas like the UFC did for 200. Um, but even when the UFC did, remember when the UFC did, I think 205, they had the statue of Liberty, I believe on the gloves for like the first msg show something like that it's cool but it's like how good are the fights you know it's a little more interesting i'll tell you what i've said this before when people have asked me they said you know you're a wrestling fan a a combat sports fan what do you think is the best looking championship belt of all time and luke if i take pro Mm -hmm. wrestling out of this conversation do you know what i actually think is the most beautiful uh title ever and i saw this because i was i was you know in row eight last night, rewatching uh, Pride, the UFC, right? UFC recaps of 1995, six and seven. Dude, the UFC Super Fight Championship with the original logo of that that guy. What's that guy's name? The original like emblem of UFC. Like the guy who's like this or whatever. Yeah, dude, yeah. that's the that's the best looking championship belt they've ever had. They should bring that back, Luke. I love the look of that. My favorite is not the Pride Weight Class Championship belts, which I actually did not like very much, but their tournament belts. Yeah to me were insanely cool love that uh let's keep going a couple more pieces of sound ahead of bellator 300 we've got usman Nurmagomedov bumped up into the main event taking on former champion brent premise semifinals of the world grand prix and here's usman talking to Shaq about this matchup and what we should expect you know i know this guy he's strong because of he of course he had theory eight years and when you have like more than 30 years, this is like different power, like men, you know, like you have different power, like a man. This is not like when you have 25 and 35, like 36, this is like different power. I think this is like my opinion. He's going to be strong first round. He really will strong because he's, he's really strong. Yeah. But nothing else. No. He's strong, but his striking is not very good. Of course, yes, he have low kick, but I'm Muay Thai guy. I know how I have to say, uh, how I have to like make defense, move everything I have, and inshallah, I believe so much. By I believe so much from God, you know. Uh, Luke, his English is really good, really fast. It's not bad, actually. Yeah, it's actually somehow better than Habib's. Uh... Do you agree with him saying, "Look, premise has man strength, but that's about it." relative to him yeah All yeah right. i mean that's not fair to a lot of other people but relative to usman yeah yeah that's probably and look fair. another pick that i'm sure we'll see in today's okay bet proceedings is the third of three title fights at bellator 300 and that is liz carmouche defending her flyweight strap in an interesting sort of storyline matchup here against very good friend 
longtime training partner and former champion, Alima Le McFarlane. And I think pl this plays into how we sort of try to handicap this. Are we going to see friends brawl and go at it? Is it going to be a sparring match? Is it going to be the PFL Natan Schultz situation all over again? Here's Liz Carmouche talking to a very busy Shaquille Majori about fighting a friend. Feeling good. You know, this is a day that we knew um, just coming up and training together all the time that was inevitable and it would be upon us at some point. You know, this is, I feel like part of the reason why Bellator signed me is the storyline and, and the idea. So we certainly knew it was going to happen, but of course, you know, the last thing you want to do, I'd like, I much like the idea of I just submit her gently and just put her to sleep, no harm, no foul. We can both smile after rather than coming out battered and beaten, but knowing the two of us, we're going to come out battered and beaten. <laughs> Luke, that doesn't give me full confidence, right? Does it? Does it give you? She's like, well, let's have like the, the most painless. We'll just tap her out and that'll be it. People want friends to fight each other. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I don't know what kind of fight we're going to get on Saturday, but if it sucked, would you be surprised? Like you'd be like, oh yeah, right. They're friends. Why would they want to yeah. beat the shit out of each other? Right. I mean, it is different when, when you're going after a championship and they are here. So it's like, that's why I say if Aljo and, and, and Marab want to stand by this, okay, that's fine. But you do at some point have to put it first in your careers. This is interesting because McFarlane's already been the champ is the younger fighter, but not, might not be the fresher fighter of the two considering no. the run Carmouche has been on. I don't know. We do have one final piece of sound from Shaq and you can check out all well, of these interviews. This is the Shaq hour here on the show length. Tonight on the Shaq MMA channel on YouTube. And here is Alima Leigh McFarlane on the same topic. Um, so I've already invited her to the post-fight talking party. And I'm like, yeah, let's get back together. And, you know, I imagine that whoever wins is going to bring the belt to that party. And I always kind of compare it to um, the movie Love and Basketball. So there's a scene where she plays her former college teammate um, professionally in Spain and they go out and have dinner afterwards. And then the girl's like, bitch, can you please take your trophy off of the table? And she's like, Oh, excuse me while I take my championship trophy off to make room. And so I, and like they're friends though, you know? So I, I imagine it would be similar to that. Like whoever wins has bragging rights. <laughs> Oh, look, I thought she was going with the other storyline angle in Love and Basketball where they where they bang at the end and have like a when Harry met Sally type of story and relationship there. Spoiler alert. Uh, Luke, your thought. I mean, look, are they going to throw down or what, Luke? That's what I want to know. I don't Saturday. know. I really don't know. I mean, I'm not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have I don't have great expectations for that fight. So I'll just leave it at that. All right. Do you have any final comment, Luke? On um, well, well, let's do this. OK, bet, bro. Let's do it. Let's get yeah, these well, picks in. Let's that's lock what them we're in. Doing. I just wanted to say, like, where we're at with Bellator right now, Luke. Is this oh, is not yeah. the final show, right? I mean, they have scheduled 301, but we did see uh Ryan Bader, who was supposed to be in the main event against Litton Vassell, the rematch that Vassell is sick, that Ryan Bader tried to fight a replacement. And and according to him, Paramount uh didn't want to put up the money to make that fight happen. I don't know what the, what is like, how do you sort of interpret what this card means beyond the historic value, but in the overall arc of, of where Bellator could be after this? It feels not, I mean, again, I know that they have another show after this, but it feels like the bookend of a show of a, of a promotions run. Bellator has been a real interesting, weird kind of at times, very relevant and interesting uh, promotion. And at times, you know, not, 
Um, and again, I think the value in what you could get there if PFL finally goes through with it is based on the roster and uh, obviously some other little uh, some other supplementary things that would go along with using that roster, not so much in the IP itself. And I think it feels like, you know, listen, I don't want to be like, this is some kind of funeral. I don't think that's quite right. But don't you feel like, doesn't it seem like the writing's on the wall? Again, no one tells us shit. We don't have any, we don't have any inside scoop. So we're just kind of guessing here as well. But it, it feels like everyone's sort of gathered to be a part of the final, relatively final act of this body, you know? it does feel like that. And if it's leading toward what, what we think is happening, the outright sale to PFL and the hopeful merging of the two rosters, then I think it should be a celebratory sort of ending, whether it's 300 as the last show or 301. We're just sort of like, look, we made it. We made it 300 shows across different owners and different. That's you know, a I big mean, achievement. No doubt about it. So, um, you know, hopefully, I don't know, but we did hear the rumors of the, of Bellator potentially living on under new ownership as a separate brand. We'll see what happens there, Luke. I do think we should mention something because I was around, I had a show on Spike TV, which eventually became the Paramount Channel and is now obviously involved in very, very different kind of programming since they made that switch. Um, I was on Spike TV in 2011, and then you'll recall there was that weird 2012 year where they could still have UFC highlights, and then I think it was 2013, they really began to lean into Bellator. And you'll recall that's right around the time that Viacom also purchased them. And the belief at the time under Viacom, the belief at the time was, remember Dana White had a big beef with Philippe Dumont, who's you know no, no longer with the company and hasn't been for quite some time. Um, about they, you know, I think the UFC wanted to get a better deal with Spike at the time that they did, or the time that they moved on to Fox Sports, and um, some of the leadership at then that, that again they're all gone now at Viacom at the time wanted to purchase their own organization because they believed they could use that, like rather than just renting the rights from the UFC. Hey, let's just get our own, you know, MMA organization and then use that for um, the, you know the kinds of ends of programming and ad sales that they wanted, and in the end. Uh, you know, you have, we do have to ask, did Viacom in that sense ultimately get out of this purchase what they wanted? If they're selling, it would seem like the answer is no. Um, and the UFC has their market concentration, even since 2011, has only grown. Uh, they had 80% of the world's best fighters. They got closer to 85% of it now. So, you know, something of an interesting experiment that a big company tried, and it remains very, uh, I think, uh, in doubt about whether or not yeah. they ultimately that 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 leadership team at that time got what they wanted out of this. Well, if this is the end of the road, would, would the is the high period in Bellator that run on Spike TV slash Paramount when the ratings were through the roof with Kimbo with the return yeah. of Shamrock and Gracie? I mean, that's got to be the. I mean, that while it was circus like, you did have legitimate fighters underneath those fights, and you did have interest, Luke. That major yeah. So, interest. so I I went to the first Dynamite card. You know, I was there for that. I went to I, dude, I went to Kimbo Dada. I went to Kimbo Ken. I went to a bunch of these Bellator fights, and again, I went to it under Bjorn Rebney as well. Rampage versus Joey Beltran at the now defunct Revel in Atlantic City. I went to that too. Um, remember, Coker takes over in 2014. And there was this immediate enthusiasm that the guy that was behind Strike Force was going to really take Bellator to the next level because you still had Rebney being like, okay, we're going to have tournaments, but then we're going to have guys who aren't in tournaments. And the product became very confused, which is what you see PFL trying to figure out now. PFL, stop doing tournaments like you're doing them. 
this is where it all inevitably leads. I have literally seen this movie before. But the point I wanted to make was what you raised. As soon as he comes in, he's like, we're going to do big events. We're going to do tentpole events. We're going to do, you know, we're going to have this great giant screen. And we're going to make Bellator big. Rebney wanted a Bellator that was interesting but lean and could run on basically the casino model. Yeah. And Spike wanted something bigger and then brought in Coker to do that. And they did it. They did MSG. They did the pay-per-view level. They did some big stuff along the way. They broke 100K on pay-per-view, which is not a small achievement either. Like, Bellator did some stuff, but I I don't know what the full situation is. We're just guessing in many ways like everybody else, but it does seem like some of the steam has been let out. Well, look, the end or not on Saturday, 300 is a big number. I hope they bring back some uh, old characters like Caveman Rickles, like Bjorn. I would like if they announced season one, uh, play-by-play announcer John Anik, Luke, and don't forget about season one ring announcer Lupe Contreras, that handsome wow. devil from Texas Boxing wow. Circles. Yeah, so uh be a nice reunion if they did that. I doubt it. But we'll see. Hey, it's time for real for OK Bet. Luke, are you going first or second? This is the last right. time you're going first? I'll go first for whatever All the right. hell that's worth. This one, BC, for our main event pick. Not a lot to say about this one. I won't belabor the point. We were trying to decide, do we do the Bellator main event, which would be the Usman Nurmagomedov fight, or do we do the UFC one? And we ultimately had to go UFC because Usman Nurmagomedov is like a minus one or 2,000 favorite. It's like a gigantic favorite. And to be clear, Grant Dawson is a pretty sizable favorite over Bobby Green, but it's a little bit more parity there. So give me Grant Dawson, BC, in the main event. Uh, either he's going to get knocked out or he's going to do the Grant Dawson thing. I would imagine, BC, part of the reason a fight like this got made is not a lot of guys saying yes to fighting Grant Dawson. Uh, doesn't necessarily a huge name, and he's really, really tough. He's really good. So yeah. give me Grant Dawson in that main event. Look, I, I tried to talk myself into the Bobby Green upset pick more for the OK Bet drama, Luke, but I just can't do it. This feels like a showcase fight. I do respect the danger that Bobby Green brings. I remember giving him a chance to do something against Islam Mahachev, not win, but a chance to, like, compete. And that, I mean, that didn't happen in the end. But I'm saying I have respect for the high ends of where his game can go. But yeah, it's Grant Dawson's time. So I'll take that in the book. So it'll be a push. We'll see where we go from here. All right. With that in mind, we go now to our favorite picks. This one, I need to look up the odds very quickly. Uh, Sarah McMahon is going to be my pick for the favorite. Now she's not a huge favorite. So I actually, this one they have, the odds makers have kind of close. She's taken on Leah McCourt who I believe just lost to Kat Zingano. Sarah McMahon sitting, according to our friends at Caesars, at minus 160, McCourt at plus 135. Um, McCourt's got some interesting submission games, and we uh, interesting submission game, and we know that Sarah McMahon has not always had the most locked on... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> God bless you, Luke. Submission defense. Not all the time. So I get why the odds makers are close, but McMahon is just a much better athlete, much stronger, significantly better wrestler, even at this advanced age. I'll say this. She should not lose this fight. She is the favorite for a reason. Give me Sarah McMahon. Yeah, Luke, going in that direction. Let me, I was going to look up her uh, actual age here, Luke. I, I she's she's still, like 39. No, she is uh, 43, Luke. Um, three. Jesus. Yeah, yeah she's but she still has it, I think, for this level. I, I, I like that pick as a favorite. Her wrestling is still very strong. She's tough as nails. I'm going to stay in women's fighting here, Luke. Shocker, right? Big surprise. I'm going to go deep down on that UFC card. You know I'm fired up for Karolina Kovalkiewicz as a minus 155 favorite against Diana Belbita. Luke, KK has had an interesting run considering that giant losing streak, which could have been the end of her career. And then she comes back and 
runs off this three fight win streak. Now it's against secondary faded level competition, but she's been solid. Whatever she needed to change to find a rebirth, she found it, right? There, there's a spark to her game. She's aggressive. She's basically relying on combination punching and just getting inside on you. She's always been big for this weight class. Luke, Belbita's just not a great fighter. She's just not. She's she's at a certain level if you look at the people she's beat and lost to. But I think Kovalkiewicz, even at 37 here and even well past her prime, could extend to a four-fight win streak. Give me the give me the slight favorite here. I think this is a slam dunk. I'm telling you right now. You heard it here, all right? Very good. All right, for my underdog pick, BC, as you know, I traditionally struggle with these, although I think I got the last one I did, I got right, was Tim Means. So I feel pretty good about that one. But, uh, or maybe that wasn't him. I don't even remember who I got. I'm going to go with Bill Algeo over Alexander Hernandez. Now, according to our friends at Caesars, Bill Algeo, a plus 110 underdog, Alexander Hernandez, minus 130. So it's still obviously very competitive. Um, Algeo is 34, Hernandez, I think, just 31. So that kind of gives me a little bit of the creeps. But Algeo can be crafty. Hernandez can panic wrestle or just make poor decisions in the middle of a fight. And it seems to me that Algeo is outmatched physically by Hernandez. I do think that's true, but is a lot more calm in the pocket. I do think against a guy who might make reactive decisions that aren't at, at his best, Algeo's just the kind of smooth customer in those kind of moments. That could make a big difference. So I understand why Hernandez is the favorite, but forced to make an up, upset pick, give me Bill Algeo in this one. Dude, I have to say, we're so close in the standings, and there's so much at stake here because, damn, do I not want to be at the uh, abortion palooza, Luke. Uh, it makes all of these undercard fights so life or death to me in terms of who wins based on these picks. And let me keep it going. This is main card for Bellator 300. But it's a weird fight. We talked about it. Alima Le McFarlane is my underdog, Lucas, plus 220 against the favorite Liz Carmouche, the champion who currently sits at minus 270. But we talked about it. This is going to be a weird fight. They're friends. Yeah, they have five rounds to work with. Yeah, Carmouche is in the, you know, seemingly in the better shape and fresher despite being the older fighter. But if they are not going tooth and nail, if that becomes a part of this where it's like, well, I don't want to hurt the other person. I think there's an opening here for for uh, McFarlane, who is, you know, younger by by a good amount to kind of find a little resurgence in this moment and maybe outwork Carmouche. Luke, Carmouche has been a part of some weird fights before the rematch with Shevchenko for the title at Flyweight and the UFC just I mean, it was just it, it's just you talk about what. Jermel Charlo didn't do against Canelo, right? This that this is like the 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 meter for that, the 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 measuring stick. I think we're gonna see a weird fight here that could go either way. That's not all that exciting, but I think McFarlane is that striker who throws a lot of volume, can ride emotion. I think she may she may ride this to outwork Carmouche and take the belt, and then they'll both be at the post fight party, Luke laughing it up and watching Love and Basketball. I mean, everyone's going to be happy in the end, so I might as well too. Give me the bold Alina the taco Lay party here. Yeah, wow, wow. <laughs> You're going to bring that 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 that. She called it joke. that, not me. I, I think you're 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 confusing the 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 conversation we had offline, Luke, which was not for TV, and you're first you're all, melding it in. You're first melding of all, she in said it in the video. Second of all, who doesn't love tacos, BC? Indeed, indeed. Uh, Luke, what do you think about that pick there? I think she might outwork Carmouche because the weirdness you can't avoid it here. It's yeah, gonna be weird. I mean, straight up, I don't think she'd win, but given how 
bizarre that could end up going. I don't think that's a crazy pick at all. I actually kind of like it. Um, yeah, there it is. She said, quote, I invited her to the taco party afterwards. Yeah. Had to be tacos, right? Not even Tuesday. You see, if I tacos. threw a taco party, would you show up? Depends on the guest list, Luke. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. All right. Wait, all right. For my over under pick, this one is not really all that difficult to figure out. I'm not really going to belabor the point on this one either. It's a women's fight, so it's probably going to go the distance. Give me Kovalkiewicz oh, versus Belbita. You're such a net hanger. And I had to do the same thing because your <laughs> net hanging. We're so close in the standings. Yes. Why should I risk a men's fight right now? I'm going Montana, exactly. Montana De La Rosa against JJ Alterich, which could be the curtain jerker on Saturday's UFC Fight Night card. <coughs> it's, actually decent, it's actually a decent fight, Luke. I think Montana should win this, but I think sometimes what stops her and why she juggles wins and losses so often, she doesn't have that one. She's a very good wrestler, but she doesn't have that one dominant skill to win close fights. So I'm not sure who actually wins this because Aldrich could hang around and she's got some sneak, sneaky skills to her game at this level, but it's going to go the distance, Luke, and I'm going to get the point. That's just where it's at, all right? All right, very good. And then last but not least, for KO or sub, I actually feel like your choice is better than mine. Your, I, I, I grant that yours will almost certainly be correct. Mine, I think, is a little bit debatable, but I picked what I picked. Uh, I got Felipe Linz versus Iwan Kutelaba ending in KO. I still feel pretty good about that because Kutelaba just... He just donks it up one way or the other, right? Win or lose, he's going to go in there and make suboptimal decisions that are very, very violent, and that usually ends in something pretty fun with the striking department. Um, Linz, I think, is more careful, so I wonder exactly what it might look like. But, yeah, give me Linz versus, versus Kute Laba ending via KO. There's a big market for TV fighters who make suboptimal decisions, Luke. Even yeah. elite ones like Matt Frivola, he's like, dude, I'm going in there to bang, right? I'm going in there to take your head off. Uh, that happens. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, KO here, Luke. Joaquin Buckley alex morono um, yeah that's a good one that's a good one why. that's a great pick you just get why at the end of the day so we're going to watch these matchups closely i don't believe luke you have any upset picks that we didn't hit right whether it's katzengano against cyborg or whether it's nirmaga medoff against you know or or even across the board joe pfeiffer has a very big fight against al hassan he's a other? huge favorite yeah he is he is yeah all right, there you go. Well, that's all I got on that. Okay, bet yeah. in the books. Thank you very much. All right, a couple. Yeah, I got to tell you, I'm ready for a big fight card in MMA. Like I two two ninety four. Can I just be honest? Two ninety four can't get here soon enough. It's a great card anyway, but like I've been going to these big boxing mega fights and stuff. I've I've really not had an MMA card in a while. And a card, not just a big fight or that, like a card, a real event pull me 294 cannot get here soon enough man i really yeah. feel that way did you um uh can we tell the people that we did a pregame preview with eric nixick yeah tell them tell them all right we did it <laughs> we yeah. did it when is it going to air this weekend maybe? uh that's a mikey question mikey is that going to air the sunday before so not this coming sunday but the following sunday i think right so you gotta he's got to check with malka but that's usually when we put him out we usually put him out the sunday before the fight's so we did one with uh, Eric Nixick, and we got him to do predictions. And BC, remember, Hamzat Shemaev's done a fair amount of training at Elite XC. Eric Nixick's comments about Hamzat Shemaev are—you're not going to want to miss them. Yeah, I, I didn't very... realize that that Deshaun Strickland and and uh, Shemaev had had like lengthy sparring sessions. Yes, long time. So. Yeah. There you go. It'll be interesting. All right. Topic number one, Luke. It feels like all the jokes, all the pushing off, all the waiting 
might actually be over. Conor McGregor, well, maybe it's not over because he's hinting, Luke, but he's hinting strongly that he has either entered or is in motion to potentially consider entering the USADA testing pool. He would need, in theory, six months before he could be eligible for a return, let's say, for example, UFC 300 next April. But they can waive that, the Brock Lesnar rule. We know that. Um, Luke Thomas, on Instagram, Conor McGregor wrote, find my targets, hit them, fuck the consequences, you're going down, this is fighting, sparring day with slick Graz, Dev, and Nikolai, always a banger of a spar with the slick slick fella, submitted my stuff to Novitsky, ball rolling, seeing you soon, you little light work bitch. Now that little light work bitch, Luke, I think is Michael Chandler, but I wanted mm -hmm. before we hear from Chandler to get a definitive re reaction. We thought Mike Perry was in for Dylan Dennis, but they're pulling their hoodwinking us pro wrestling style every other day. Is Conor McGregor really in the USADA pool, and will they really make him sit out six months? None of this counts until you see his testing uh, numbers go into the database, right? Like once you see, oh, there were two tests done for this quarter, or however the, they would measure it, that's what you should do. But by the way, I want to point out something about this, and I want to be very clear, uh, if I may. Please. If it's the case that Conor McGregor uh, has to wait six months, that they don't waive it, I, I don't know exactly how folks might interpret that war between USADA and Conor and Conor getting his way or not. But I just want to point out, he's already won, right? Because he'd never retired. He got out of the testing pool. He got to take whatever drugs via medical intervention or however it went down uh, that he wanted. I got think to he's doing more than just medical, Luke. I think there might be a no spear in there too. Just, just me, just me yeah. pontificating. Okay. But what I'm trying to point out is whatever methods he'd use to fuse the bone that were not USADA approved, and then who knows what else may have happened beyond that. That he's going to be able to get back in without penalty, even if he has to wait the six months. He already won. He already won. He had a devastating injury where he was able to take time off, not retiring, still able to be ranked, take all the drugs he wanted for whatever purposes, and come right back. Just that they weren't going to also make him skip the queue that we're aware of. Conor McGregor already beat the system. So, so not we will just see Trump's how many win. times he gets tested. And if he does, that will tell us ultimately what the proof is and the pudding is. But no matter what, the guy already beat USADA. Just okay, to then get you this need point. a new t-shirt, Luke, because drugs win the drug war. But you're saying Conor McGregor also won the drug war. He, Yeah, by, by a considerable margin, I would say, yeah. Okay. Uh, Michael Chandler was on the MMA Hour with Ariel and said, quote, the status is, when talking about a McGregor fight, unequivocally, the fight is still happening. The fight is not booked for a date. The fight is not booked for a venue. But the fight is booked between Chandler and Connor. There's no way Connor comes back and doesn't fight me. I'm ready to fight January, February, March, April, May, whatever. We'll see. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense that there's a very historic card coming up in the UFC. I haven't been told that that's when it's going to be, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's when it is. And if it is, I've got more and more time to prepare. I've never had this much time to prepare for one guy, one opponent, me and my team, we're going to put together a game plan and knock this dude out in the first or second round. That's an end quote to Chandler, Luke. He's teasing what we all know is coming. It looks like April. If, if you're on the traditional pay-per-view schedule for UFC, that UFC 300 is coming. Um, 
if you're going to wait and they've waited, right? This, this fight should have already take, taken place, right? Whether, whether it was right after the ultimate fighter season or, you know, last March or whatever, like it should have been over already. If you're going to wait this long, you got to put it on 300. You got to have Connor on 300. It's the right fight. It's taken way too long to get here. Where do you think it'll be, Luke? If like, would you assume we're getting three to four main event level fights on UFC 300? So where would this fit in that? Are you going to not have Connor in the main event? I don't know how the rest of the calendar is going to play out well enough to know how they're going to book that. But I agree with you a billion percent. You, ha If you're going to wait this long, whatever else should have happened, if you're going to wait this long now, why would you put him on 299 or 301? What the fuck would be the point of that? Put him on UFC 300. I don't think it would go at the top of the marquee, but I guess Connor might have his own ideas about that. He often doesn't like sharing the marquee with other folks, so maybe they might have to put him on 299 or 301. But if there's any sense among these folks or any ability to compromise here, putting him on 300 would, I think, ratchet up the big fight feel of this card even bigger. I wholly support putting him on it. So do you think there's any chance they would put two title fights below him and him in the main event? And I'm not arguing sure. that that's not a UFC 300 pay-per-view main event fight. I mean, it's it's big. Look, it's freaking big. Even though he's washed, it's still big. It's guaranteed action. It's a big fight for Chandler, who is such fan-friendly. Um, but like what champion's gonna be like, yeah, that's cool, Connor. You could fight for no belt in the main event, and I'll what champion has say. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. All right, what do you how good do you think that fight card will look, Luke? I mean, because UFC 200, even with the last minute changes, 200 was bonkers. It, it felt like it felt like they were trying to give us like four and a half great fights. Meaning at that point, Cain Velasquez coming back after a long layoff to fight Travis Brown was like, you know, pretty pretty damn good. Dude, but every even other the fight prelims for that card was insane. Oh, the early prelims were insane too. Yeah. But like, think about that main card. You know, Aldo versus Edgar too is as a super elite fight. You know, Misha Tate against uh, Nunes was a super elite fight. Uh, obviously, John and DC or the replacement DC and Anderson Silva and Brock and in general. Brock. Brock in general was a super attraction fight. But to be fair, in that sequence, they had the chance to put Brock in the main event after John Jones had to pull out. They instead put the women's fight, which I guess in hindsight is a smart move. It makes more sense. It was a bigger fight. But do you think we're getting like four elite world, like elite special major main event type offerings on the same card? Or am I asking too much? I think you're definitely getting three, right? Wasn't that the rule when we were, we were kids? You would buy an album if you knew it had three really good songs. I mean, Dude, I my dad had a rule. That, he right. wouldn't let me buy a, buy a tape, Luke, unless I knew more than two songs on the tape. It was like, it was the worst rule ever. People don't even know about these 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 standards anymore because they're no longer relevant. But it, it, the three fight rule, especially if they're all th three of the best ones are on the main card. Yeah, I think you'll get that. Beyond that, it's just very hard to say. However, if they do put Connor on it and it does have three title fights or something equivalent close to that, dude, the tickets for that, the tickets for that are going to be astronomically. You're going to have to give up your firstborn kid. I mean, look. Say what you will about this Dana versus Steven Espinosa feud that keeps going on, and we have some connections to it just because we work for Showtime, I guess. But um, I thought it was a nice zinger for Steven to come back with the gate comment there. You got to believe Dana is going to be motivated to, to to break all gate records. That's what a promoter would want to do. That's that's what they should be motivated to do. They could shatter a gate if they like. OK, for example, what if you had Islam versus Volkanovsky, too? If that played out that way, Connor versus Chandler, give me Izzy versus somebody, 
right for the middleweight title like izzy versus somebody in a in a big blood feud Izzy's not the champion i get that but izzy versus ddp as champion or izzy versus strickland as champion is still a lot of hot fire sex to add okay. to this, right yeah then, i don't know how ddp would be champion but yeah okay and then you possible. gotta put a female you gotta put a good female fight up there right or you don't what do you think i don't you know, i don't i mean you don't have to Looks like, you don't have to. <laughs> Looks like make me a sandwich, baby. No. Um. All right. I mean, are you so? If they did that, okay. Let's say they had a fourth fight. That's like a title fight. So you have three title fights and Connor, and there's a lot of like, there's a lot of people you want to see there. And let's say we're getting like Bo Nickel and all these other things on the middle card that you'd love. Can they charge Luke? Not not nine hundred dollars for the worst seat in the arena. Can they charge? Whatever the fuck they want, three thousand, five thousand dollars. It's UFC three hundred. Charging nine hundred for the bleeders for John Jones, Steve Miocic, is already doing whatever the f they want. Like, are you? I wouldn't pay nine hundred for front row for that. I wouldn't pay nine hundred for front row, much less. I mean, that's the easy to say when you sat front row for free for your job. That's easy to say, but if you are a super, super, super fan and you would have a chance at front row, there's people that might pay that. There, there is. Okay, but for the bleeders, if you're charging the bleeders nine hundred a pop, like you're already like, you're just the Joker setting money on fire on that barge, you know. In the, okay, in the so where does this thing. event have to be, Luke, to maximize? Because is this the is this where you go to Allegiant, or is this where you go to? I mean, he's talking about the Sphere, but is this where you go to Jerry World and do like eighty thousand people at? You know what's funny place? is we went to that we went to the Spence versus Ugas fight, which was at Jerry's World, the Dallas Cowboy Stadium, and I think he pulled like forty five k for that. Obviously, you can hold more, much yeah, more. Con- but it was, it, Canelo had 40- almost eighty one time. I thought, right? Yeah, but I was going to say even at the way they had it set up, even at forty five k, it looked really well attended. I will say that you know BC and I had what can only be described as the most far away seat imaginable. Yes. They shot us into space and asked, asked us to call fights from outer space. And we did our best, you know, but it was hard well, to too see. Too soon on the Owen, on the Owen Hart reference there, Luke, if that's where you're going, but that's I wasn't, how I we wasn't doing that. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know the circumstances of this gentleman's death beyond the broad headline. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just pointing out. I'm just pointing out. I, I know what Dana's argument is about like the fan experience, but if you go to the right stadium that caters to people who are kind of far away in it all, I was at St. Pierre versus Shields in Canada. Um, it can be done. It can be done. It can absolutely be done. Because he's talking about the sphere for um, Mexican Independence Day, which is next September. So if they're going to do 300 in April, look, you've got, I think you've got to go somewhere big because they, they are all about gouging prices and breaking gate records. So why would you not then go to a stadium? You have to. They've always yeah. been hesitant to, but I'm telling you, inevitably they're going to be in stadiums in France and England and, you know, Germany, Cameroon, wherever. Like inevitably that's where they're going to end up if they stay on this road of maximizing profit so aggressively. So maybe this is the card for that, Luke. Maybe this is the, the hey, it's in our backyard, Allegiant Stadium. Let's freaking go after it. Let's just. Let's just go after it. I, I've people. not been inside Allegiant to know whether or not a fight would be good there. Um, but I have been to Jerry's World, and I can tell you a fight is just fine there. So, yeah. Okay, so I picked out, Luke, four or five fights right there that I was mentioning. You may have some of your own. Are there any, like, single fights that we're not thinking of, even creative matchups that that kind of would be perfect for something like 300? To just if John Jones sticks around, you could do it, right? Uh, but I just don't think he's going to. 
Against who, Luke? Against who? Against you could uh, do it against Pavlovich. You could do it against you know. Uh, they could bring back Brock. You know, John Jones versus Brock. I mean, it would just be absurd. Well, you know, as much as that is absurd, that's actually the type of fight I'm talking about. To be fair, like, what's the biggest yeah. stupid event they can make? That fight would be. Dude, Brock Lesnar coming back at 200 didn't even make much sense. It was just like, oh, Brock's back. He's gonna fight Mark Hunt. All right, it's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. shit. All right, let's watch. You know, but it didn't make a lot of sense. God, he was yoked up for that fight. Dude, I mean, he turned just... he turned the cut the color of country time pink lemonade, and yeah. I was just like, I don't know what's in your body, but I know it's not good for you. I know that. All right, Luke. Quickly, let's get through our last news items before our guest slides in. Topic two is recent announcements. Derek Brunson signs with the PFL. He's yeah. Compete. They put out a graphic for this. He's going to compete in the light heavyweight division next year in their tournament. But he's going to come back Friday, November 24th, Washington, D.C., the PFL Championship. This will be a special showcase bout at middleweight when he takes on former PFL welterweight champion Ray Cooper III. Uh, Luke, I love this fight as sort of a one-off fun one, maybe kind of like what Julia Budd and Kayla Harrison are doing the same night. But what do you think in general this far into his career at 38? What can Brunson do? Because old UFC names die hard in the PFL tournaments. They do. Well, this is a... I'm surprised they made this fight. Like, Ray Cooper is not a huge welterweight, so I think that this fight's going to be, what, at 185? And it's like, okay, the guy is much smaller. He, Brunson, should be able to win that one. I suspect, I've not seen the betting lines on this one, but I suspect he'll be the favorite. But it's like, what if he struggles against him? You know, because here's the thing, even if he blows the doors off of him, okay, that hypes his name up some, gets people excited about the tournament, fine. But if you struggle at all with a welterweight who is not like a bad wrestler, but that's not his forte necessarily either, dude, that would be disastrous. Disastrous. So he has to go in there and then just look fantastic. Also, isn't he doing the light heavyweight tournament, not the middleweight tournament? So it's like, yeah, I, I shared all that information. He, uh, yeah, so what I'll I'm saying is, the Schmo, $1 million tournament, Luke, light heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is to go from, again, if he goes in there and beats him up, great, you know, starches him, whatever. But if he struggles at all against a welterweight and you want that to get people excited as you go to, to light heavyweight, risky, a risky fight he's taking, a risky fight. Yeah, I mean, Aspen Ladd kind of did the same thing when she signed and came on and fought. And I think she lost initially at the uh, – Yes. At the uh, – Maybe even to Julia, but I don't really remember. But I, I don't hate the hiring. I like the hiring. It's just it's going to be tough. He's going to go up a division late in his career in a, in these these tournaments are grinders, man. You know what I mean? Look at look at Jeremy Stevens, Anthony Pettis, on and on. People come in here with high hopes and expectations, and they kind of get grounded up. We'll see. But I like look. These are the type of signings. Not just this this one signing won't have a big impact, but these are the type of signings PFL has to continue to do because the name value will get a lot of people in the uh, door very quickly. I know we got to move along, but very quickly, you know, Shane Burgos, I thought made the switch at the right time before he was too old. Yes. Just turns out that the PFL competition was a little bit better. The Brunson one is sort of more of the older model, which is the, you know, Hey, I got a little bit longer in the tooth, but still pretty good. So I'll see about his chances, but you know, just as a reminder, even the young guy switching over sometimes find some, some difficulty. Yeah. Ask Rory, Luke. Ask him, right? Well, he was he was washed by the time he got there. He was he was mega Indeed. washed. Uh UFC 297, Luke. We have a fight announcement here for January 20th. Damn. A friend of the program, Arnold Allen, returning against Movsar Evloev. How how much does this tingle the old tater tots, Luke? Tough, tough fight. Dude, Arnold Allen takes tough fights. 
and so does Movsar. Such a great fight. Obviously, Movsar is going to want to fight a more wrestling control-based one, so it's really going to be up to Arnold Allen to create separation. His volume, I think, kind of costs him against Max Holloway, even though he had a bit of a late surge, but not enough volume in general. Can't let that happen against Movsar, but the problem is, of course, the more you open up, the more you're going to open up for takedowns. So this is a tough fight. Great fight. High-level guys, high-level stakes. What is not to love about that? Fantastic. Dude, I said it. Somebody's going to somebody's gonna feel the pain of Arnold Allen in his next fight because you nailed it. If he was just a little bit busier, he may have won that one. And, and I think he realized in that fight, he probably, I mean, he's always supremely confident. But I think he started to realize as he's executing against the great Max Holloway that, like, there was an opening there for him to potentially do even more. And uh, he's going to find out that ceiling and he's somebody's going to get hurt. Maybe it's Evlov. We'll find out. Great matchup. Yana uh, Santos, Norma Dumont, UFC Vegas 83 on January 13th. I mean, I'll watch it, Luke. Where where is the pants o meter? Right. Where I mean, is where is the pants o meter in that? Find one? me on Patreon, Luke. We'll have a different. Discussion. By the way, someone told me you scammed them on um, Cameo. How did I scam them? I, I uh... someone someone said someone on my super chat. They paid three bucks to go. You know, BC accuses you of scamming everyone, but he said he paid you three dollars for a message on Cameo and got no reply. Now I don't know oh, if this is true. Yeah, okay, no, that is true. I didn't even know that that they can. I guess email you or DM you for for a fee like that. I yeah. saw the DM. Um, I didn't even realize that that was a pay for play situation. They, pay, there. they paid you, bro. Yeah, I mean it's very similar to the Thursday live chat. Luke is really inspired by by that just outright railroading. But you know the people they need to they need you. Uh, let's keep it going here, Luke. Uh, Henry Cejudo might be back in a big one. Reportedly, yeah. reportedly agreeing to return to face Marab Devalish Willie. Willie? Yes, he will in January, Luke. Your thoughts? Yeah, so my understanding is this is what Ali Abdelaziz, the manager, told the schmo. So we have to see, but it uh, then, but Henry Cejudo was then tweeting reports about it to Marab saying sign the contract. I believe that what has happened is that Henry has verbally agreed and perhaps Marab as well, but there's not, no ink on paper. But I got to tell you, that's a great fight. That's a tough fight for Henry, uh, either guy actually, but a fantastic fight. I love it. Uh, yeah, that's a great fight. And I want to see Henry back in another big one because look, he was, he was pretty damn close to, to doing it. Right. I mean, he, he looked a little, he looked a little, um, he looked like the layoff had affected him. He, he didn't have the same sort of like snapness to him, but I think as that fight went on, you started to see a little bit more of what's available of what's available to him at this age. And I think he can still win huge, huge fights. He wasn't that far off is what I'm saying. That's right. But but clock's ticking as well, right? For so. sure. And you got to stay healthy. And that's really the hardest part at this advanced age. Also, you talked to Benil Dariush, Luke, and it, it looks like uh, he's tentatively agreed to return. Wow, this would be a lightweight hammer tilt against Armin yeah. Sarukian. Uh, what can you tell us about the possibility of this? Yeah, again, uh, this is what Ali had told the schmo, and then I happened to just uh, randomly uh, get the opportunity to catch up with him. And he confirmed it. Now it's a verbal agreement, no pen to paper yet. And he said it could take place probably in December. And I asked, could it be on 296? He said, possible, possibly, but I don't know if it's slated for that. It's more slated for somewhere in that December area. They might have like another fight night card at that time. But dude, here's the interesting part about that story. You know, he wanted to fight Dustin Poirier. And Poirier, again, according to Dariush's understanding, because it's not like Poirier hasn't fought tough guys. He's fought tough guys. But he wanted the Poirier fight, and Poirier didn't want it. Now, I don't know if there was a formal offer. I don't know how far the UFC really pursued that. 
I got to tell you, that's a tough fight for either Poirier or Dariush, but uh, Dariush has got a lot of different ways he could make with the grappling. Poirier's life difficult. Taking on Armin Saryukian, I know he beat Gamrot, I know, which was a great fight, but dude, fucking Benil Dariush fights nothing but hammers. Just yeah. goes down to Home Depot and gets and fights one hammer after the next. It's absurd. It's absurd. And and he's shouting out my lord and savior, Luke, anywhere at all times, anywhere. <laughs> yes. Okay, at all times. Uh, uh, and and you know he's like, damn hair dye. I don't need it. I'm like Luke Thomas. So that's where we're at. Do you remember uh, when he yelled at uh, uh, Elon Musk after he beat someone, and yeah. he was like, "Yo, Elon Musk, what happened to my wife's Tesla?" Apparently, yeah. Musk like re reached out to him, and then he got the Tesla like six weeks later, all ready to go. Man, wow, that's great. Uh, quickly, Luke, we got John Nash ready right around the corner. We have some boxing this weekend. I'm gonna admit, like. A lot of boxing fans are all diehard about this. I love the fight. It's going to be fun. I guess I haven't bit in enough, but we're going to see Lee Wood and Josh Warrington from Sheffield, England on Saturday. It's going to be on DAZN. DAZN has two cards on the same day. This is for Lee Wood's WBA featherweight title. There's been sort it's of a good fight. It's a very good fight. There's There's been this incestuous pairing between them, Mauricio Lara, Mick Conlon, you know, Carl Frampton before he, uh, before he got retired by Warrington of like they're all fighting each other and changing these titles and uh minus 225 wood is the favorite he's 35 years old warrington coming at 32 uh warrington though coming off of a loss luke to luis alberto lopez in december where he lost his ibf title now he's fighting for the wba strap here um and remember he had vacated his title two years ago refusing to fight a mandatory did warrington um Luke, do you have a feeling on which way this is going to go? Like, they're going to get after it. They're both flawed but exciting guys. Um, they bring it. But uh, this is going to be a stalemate, it feels like. I'm a, I'm, I've am been impressed with Lee Wood. I've, I've not – do you know what the odds are? Did you, I don't, you may have read them. Yeah, minus 225 for Wood, plus 175. Yeah. And obviously, Wood that's has more right. power. Wood, yeah, Wood's that, a bigger puncher. Yeah, That's right. That's about right. But Wood has – he's perseverant. He's very perseverant and really obviously what he did to Mick Conlon late in their fight, like he's got the capacity to really dial it in when he has to late. So for yeah. that reason, I'm going to lean a little bit more towards wood, but it's a great, it's a very competitive, great fight. Yeah, I like and then, it. you know, one fight after uh, stopping Mick Conlon in the most exciting way possible in the final round, he gets upset by Mauricio Lara by knockout and then takes yep. a decision from Lara in the rematch this past March to regate, to get that belt back. And now we have Warrington, who looked no power really, but like just gets in your face, aggressive, high volume. He can take daring chances. He's got this. I mean, they're all fighting each other here, Luke, but they might as well. So we'll find out here. Uh, also, Terry Harper and Cecilia Brake, who's finally going to fight uh, in the co main. How old is she? She's uh, Cecilia's 42 now. Dude, she's out there still boxing these broads. Still trying. Still trying. She's the former, I think, undisputed uh, welterweight champ, former pound for pound queen. Also on Saturday, this is going to go down in Vegas at the Cosmo. Zerto Ramirez is back against Joe Smith Jr., the former uh, light heavyweight champion and power puncher. But it's going to be at a 193 pound catchweight because Zerto is apparently doing a soft launch up to cruiserweight. We have not seen Zerto since he got one sided dominated by Dimitri Bivol to suffer the first losses of his career. And then Luke Ramirez missed weight by nearly eight pounds when he was supposed to fight Gabe Rosado in a fight that shouldn't have probably happened to begin with and didn't happen. And Joe Smith Jr. hasn't fought since Arthur Betterbeef sent him to hell in their unification bout a little more than a year ago. 
Uh, I'm not sure which which way this one is going because Zerto's 44 and one, but you know he didn't bring it against Bivol, Luke. He left it on the table. Well, he also was overmatched. Bivol yeah. was a lot better. Like there was there was hope that like oh Zerto could be you know a sneaky upset pick. No, he was overmatched. So right. he's got he's got a lot of getting right to do here. Let's see how that goes. Yeah, and this could be an absolute slugfest. You know, that's what Joe Smith Jr. fights are. And uh, I'm going to be interested in watching it. And that co-main event, Beck the Bully is back. Beketir, uh, Bektamir Melkuziev, he's taken on. Atlantis Fox is the long, lean boxer. That'd be interesting. Did we see and, Gabe Rosado in, uh, in Vegas? I did not, know. He may have been no. there. He's everywhere, Luke. Love that guy. And finally, Luke, this evening, a reminder, uh, one championship is back on uh, Prime, Amazon Prime. And it's going to be one fight night 15 and it's going to be a featherweight title bout in the main event. It's like it's a vacant title. Do you know anything about Tom Lee versus Ilya Freemanov, Luke? That's the main event. I don't know much about Freemanov, um, but Ilya, or sorry, Tom Lee, I know he's done a lot of training with Ryan Hall, a lot of other folks. Again, he won via head kick KO in the second round of Contender Series like five years ago. Um, he had he had been the champion. He had lost it. This is for the interim championship because the guy who beat him, I guess, is injured. Um, so he's still sort of at the top of top-ish of this division they're trying to keep it moving forward he's an action fighter flawed but a very good action fighter again there's there's like there's no there's no like major mma star or whatever or like big hardcore grudge match necessarily competing no disrespect to chris cyborg in that way but but there's plenty of good fights this weekend yeah plenty Mikey of good fights musumechi luke the pizza guy is gonna open weight Dude, grapple shinya Aoki. he's going to let me let me I, let me say something about this as i'm not more of a grappling guy than i am a striking guy at least historically i have been I I understand a lot of what one has done with like the four ounce gloves or Muay Thai, which I think is a really great change for as a product. But their grappling product, I don't get. I don't get. Mikey Musumechi is gonna tear Shinya Aoki like a piece of string cheese. I yeah. mean, it's not. They're not even remotely on the same level, and Aoki is like kind of washed, like. This is yeah, a I mean, it's mismatch a among all mismatches. It's a name. And speaking of one championship, Luke, I caught up with uh, Angela Lee, the former Adam White champion who who had that very uh, emotional ceremony of vacating her title to Stan Fairtex won it in, in the fight last Friday. Uh, I had her on to talk about her future plans, Luke, and her new website, fightstory.org. I really encourage people to check it out at youtube.com slash morning combat. Uh, she talks about honoring her late sister, Victoria Lee, and all of the the challenges she has been through to, to get to this decision. So check that out. There you go. One championship this evening, Luke, let's not hold them back anymore in the bullpen. This bucking Bronco. Uh, hey, not the face. He's going to show his face. I think, right. We're going to see him Luke in the flesh. He needs to turn his, his, uh, there, there you go. Is, is your mic on? Yeah. My mic's on. All, All right. right. He is I'm a, I'm a professional. Elephant. John S. Nash and John, as much as you know, we either argue in DMs at times oh, or send jokes to each other. Brian Campbell, test plus tutot. Wow, did he just have a seizure, Luke? Here's what I'm trying to say: um, the work you do in this specific line of coverage, business contracts, fairness. To be fair, damn, is it needed in this space? And and you know, with respects over to my guy at MMAI on YouTube, who I like a lot, I think you're the best in the game at this. So welcome. I'm happy to have you on the show, John. I, pre I appreciate nice things from you. That's really yeah. kind. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Well, Thank listen, you. you're a scumbag. I hope everyone knows that. Getting that out of the way, let me let me ask a more a more broad-based question. 
What's way, we're, we're making this leave, we're make we're having a makeout session here. We don't yeah, need yeah, you yeah. interrupting it. Me and Brian Sorry. are having a moment here together. So. Hey, what's a scummier industry, boxing or MMA? I have to tell you, I think it's MMA, right? Like everyone says, boxing is the scummiest industry, and it, it is. It was. I think MMA is worse. In uh, some, I mean, it's hard. It's you know what? It's six of one, half dozen of another. They're they're both very scummy. I think the thing is, boxing still has it on the on corruption. But MMA has found a way they don't have to be corrupt because they can. Everybody controls their industry so much they can get away with whatever they want without doing underhanded things like bribery and stuff. So, <laughs> it's uh, it's they're both pretty. I mean, listen, it takes a special kind of person to get into a sport where their objective is to make as much money as possible by paying people as little as possible to give each other life-altering bodily harm. So yes. For absolute primates. It's amazing. It really is just an unbelievable set of industries. Okay, so let's talk about why you're here. Yeah. All right, very good. You came across, for the first, I think the first time, uh, someone at least in the American public, was able to get a one contract. Whose contract did you get, and how did you get it? Uh, I got Adriano Moraes' contract. I hope I pronounced his name right. The Brazilians, they always throw me off. Uh, I got his contract, and I, how I got that is actually I should give credit. MMA Fighting, uh, Cruiser at MMA Fighting did a story about a lawsuit involving the managers of Morais uh, suing him, and that they, he reported on some of the details in the in the case. And so I contacted someone to get me go to the Brazilian court system and download the documents and send them to me. So I, that's how I got it. Now, how old is this contract? Is this the current contract of Moraish, or is this someone from a different time period? Well, this should be the one he's still under. It's from it's it kicked off in April 2021. So that's the start okay. date. So it's relatively, it's within the last two years. And if you look at the details of the contract, it's a two-year contract with a two-year extension if he wins the championship. So it's he still should be under that contract. All right. Before we get to some of these details, which I've uh, from my understanding are quite interesting the manager or at least i guess the former manager of marais was saying that some of the numbers that bloody elbow had reported relative to his purse were inaccurate i don't know what the updated response you might have to that would be well i contacted him alex davis the former manager of uh Maurice, and and he wouldn't because they're in a lawsuit he wouldn't get into details we would we didn't have a back forth but Reading the tweet and and looking over what you know what was said, my I'm kind of this is kind of a guess on my part. He's not saying the contract we have is wrong. I think he, what he's saying is if you look in the lawsuit, he claims that there was more money that was paid to him besides the contract. That one gave him a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus, and then he had a special sponsorship deal with one that paid him five thousand a month. We didn't report on that when we talked about it because we didn't report on it being we we basically went through it as just a standard contract, just going through the contractual details that probably applied almost all the fighters. But I think that's what he's addressing is the fact that there was more that he made more money than was reported because he's asking for a percentage of that money. All right. So this is so you can get in here in just a minute, but I wanted to sort of start off here. We will get to whether there is a comparison between UFC, Bellator, PFL, one contracts, which one's worse, which one's better. But let's start with this one contract, one, one contract, excuse me. Give me some broad details around what areas that you found in reviewing this contract that stand out substantively to you as potentially troublesome or at a bare minimum, uh, unusual or worse, uh, worse than normal in this particular industry. 
Well, the the one that really stands out is the the merchandising and image right agreement. Now, everybody remembers the old UFC agreements. They gave you the UFC your image right in perpetuity, but that stopped around 2017. Now there's a there's a sunset limit even to the image rights. I think it's two years now after your contract terminates, the image rights revert back to you. The one contract is is much like the old UFC contracts in that it's forever. They own your image rights, and that's so. In, in combat sports, it's common to own the image rights for the fight. fight. The promoter pays you, and they can do whatever they want with that fight footage, right? But this, of course, is not just the fight footage. This is your likeness, so they can put your face on a bunch of products if they want, and they can do that long after you've left the promotion. Um, when you say long after, how long? In perpetuity. goes forever, perpetuity. apparently. There's no end in sight. Now, I haven't seen them do this yet, but this raises a problem because let's say you become a high profile fighter and you leave one and you go on to let's say the ufc or something become a megastar right well your image rights have value if you look at this agreement one has the right to sell your likeness now because they own the rights they can continue to do it that doesn't mean you you don't have the right to sell it yourself to other people but they can go around and that would undermine your value on the market at that point because they could someone if they wanted to use your image for a campaign or something they could go to one instead of you and is there any way to like reacquire this stuff? There's nothing in the contract says you can reacquire it. And and to be fair, and 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 one thing that these these kind of likeness rights make it very easy to take from fighters is this is not the priority for fighters. The priority is getting paid to fight because that's where the majority of the money is. In fact, if you look at the antitrust lawsuit, the image right part portion of that, the identity class that was that was that wasn't granted, they didn't grant class action. The amount of damage they were asking for was very small compared to the damages for bouts. So fighters, managers, whatever, they're often probably willing to concede on the image rights and just hand them over because they want the payments now of the bout thing. But what problem is if you become big, you've now handed over your rights in the future and it, you know, that's, that could be a possible detriment. You know, John, as you start to, uh, piece by piece kind of pick out the red the potential red flags here it does uh you know beg a question for me we're we're in your work and in our work we're obviously very harsh against the ufc because they are um aman sops punasi is that how you pronounce that john yeah exactly nailed nailed it. It. exactly like that wow that was great the delivery too um you know and they're the evil overlords and look at the end of the day i, I think it's it's almost uh morally our our, our not our right but our, our we should want uh to kind of you know report on that whether things are fair game but separate from ufc do you, how would you declare the general state of non-ufc mma contracts is it fair or is it just that the ufc is so unfair can based on how much they make compared to what they pay in comparison to the other smaller you know uh, promotions like it, it's you know like when you were picking out the 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 turds out of this shit pile here on this one contract is this what you see looking at other contracts that are non-UFC on a regular basis? Yeah, I mean, contracts are all similar at this point. There's small differences. I mean, we we focus on the UFC because the UFC has 90% of the market. They're they're you know they're, they have market power, so they're the industry leader, and basically everybody's forced to follow them or kind of surpass them at times to retain their whatever share of the market they have. The other thing, though, is. The other promotions aren't better because one PFL, they're all trying to be the UFC. They're not trying to be, no one's trying to be good guys. They want to do what the UFC is doing. So it's not like we can target single out the UFC as being the one bad actor. We single out the UFC because they have 90% of the market. They're the the biggest player. Uh, But yeah, these contracts in some ways, 
the contracts have slightly gotten better over the years in recent years. The worst I've ever seen, because if you look at the fight stuff, is probably the most important, the, the tolling provision. The worst one I can re- recall is the old Bjorn Rebney Bellator one, because it just, well, I should take that back. The worst I saw is an old one championship one, where if you won the champion, it became the title of the champion, the champion clause kicked in and added 10 fights to your contract. That, Yo. that seems egregious. That's a, like a 10-year-old one Jesus. contract. But the worst for a major promotion was the old Bellator ones because they could just add tolling year after year after year. It was impossible to get out of. Uh, for nowadays, though, the biggest thing is these image rights. The tolling, all of them fall on kind of the same tolling. You know, you turn down a fight, it extends it. Uh, if you get injured, it extends it. If you retire, it freezes. In this regard, the UFC might have the best because at least they have a sunset on theirs. Uh, the sunset they've weakened though, so it's not quite the hard five years it was with for France and Ganu. But all the other stuff you have to, you know, you don't have sponsorship. Almost all the other promotions do that. Beltor allows you to have your own sponsor, but all the other ones have control over your sponsorship, one included. They've taken all these auxiliary rights away from the fighters, and they've got that's where they've gotten much worse. If you look at an old strike force contract, it, it is you'll see a lot of similarities in the fact that they get to pick your opponent when, where, and who, and they can extend it if you turn down fights. But the old strike force, they had no rights to your image rights. They, they allowed you to have sponsors, but though you do had to get clearance, they could turn down a sponsor that you had. And also they, they had a hard five year sunset on theirs, all their contracts. I mean, a hard, so it wasn't a separate one for retirement. You sign and five years later, you were a free agent. So it's in that sense, on that end, we've gotten worse, uh, yeah. especially on the, um, the promotional rights, the uh, auxiliary I mean, rights. Final piece on that, John, like, would you say in general MMA contracts and sort of what an MMA fighter, and I know this is kind of separate from this one contract, but I'm interested here in terms of what they have to navigate. Is that just business in general or contracts, just contracts in general, or really what I'm asking you is MMA a space where you particularly have less rights than in any other business setting by far. I think MMA, I've shown it to other people and they're shocked at how much you give away with MMA, even boxing. I mean, boxing contracts are similar in a sense and can sometimes be worse that they can extend it for young boxers, the tolling provisions. But because boxers own the title and rank themselves and because it's built around the boxer, they still have a lot of leverage because the the box, the promoter needs them to fight, you know, here because I mean, a quick example, you know, Cambosis wins the title. Uh, he can ask for a lot more, even though he's still under contract. Why? Because, you know, his his promoter wants him to fight because now a big payday is there that they both can split. You win a title in a MMA promotion, the promoter owns the title. If you don't play ball, it's not like the promoter benefits from you fighting. If you don't play ball and fight under your contract or under their terms, they can just strip you of the title and give it to someone else that will play ball. So it takes away a lot of your leverage there. So, but yeah, MMA is, is particularly bad in this space. John, give us a sense of uh, what are the worst things in terms of the tolling provisions that you found in this one contract? Well, one's tolling is almost identical to everybody else. In fact, when you when you turn down a fight, it's lower than like UFC's adds six, mm. the time to get a new fighter six months. For one, it's only four months. So that's not as bad. The, probably the worst here was the championship clause because usually a championship clause is the last fight in your contract. If you're still champion, it adds a year or three fights, right? And so the whole point of that is to to basically force you to the, the negotiating table because you don't want to have to go through three fights to get out of your contract. Uh, for for this contract, what it does is you win the title, it automatically adds two years or four and four fights. So <laughs> it's so 
it's it, it's it's a longer duration more fight but it but it it's not the last fight if so if you on your second fight of this contract win the championship then on the third fight lose it guess what you're still under the champion clause so you might have improved your status you might improve your value because now you're a more renowned fighter because you're a former champion but you can't test the market for four more fights because it's extended your contract it's just completely bonkers yeah. all right um, I heard this is a smaller issue, and I do want to get to some more substantive ones, but to move the conversation along, is it true that if I was a female fighter at one and I wanted to change my name, I would have to get one's permission first? Yeah, there's a there's a provision in there that says you need permission to change your name. Now, to be fair, maybe that's a problem with uh, Muay Thai fighters changing their name all the time. And oh, I don't right. know, taking, but, taking the last name of the gym or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they they need some sort of, but that is in there. They also, I mean, they, this one compared to the other promotions, they all have like non disparagement type agreements in it. You can't disparage or you can't disparage our, our sponsors, all these things. But one goes further than the other promotions, and they also have something about you need permission to do, uh, you know, to show the title anywhere you're going to bring it or to. Uh, to, I mean, they all have things that you can't like use your title. The title is owned by the promoter, so you can't use it in advertising or any marketing campaigns. But one is any appearances, you need to get permission. And also you need permission, apparently, according to this, to do interviews and stuff, to talk about anything related to the business. Wow. Well. Okay. That's that I have not seen, John, that type of grip since when I covered WWE from 2016 to 2020, yeah. where, you know, you can't not only you can't secure an interview without without the 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 request they need to be in most cases on the line you know kind of policing and i know sometimes that's policing sometimes it's more of just making sure the athlete does all the interviews so you know we've seen that same type of thing in other sports but i've never seen that level of control that one tries to do in the mma space i mean like what would we say about ufc if they had some of these provisions that you're pulling out of these one contracts it's it's eye eye opening mind blowing um it seems to be like there's this deep rooted sensitivity to want to protect not one secrets, but just maybe how the sausage is made. I mean, is that, that's, that's, that's probably the nicest way to say it. Is is that normal? Is it overprotective? Yeah, I, I think one is very worried about their image and they, they, they go much further lengths than other promotions to protect their image. So, I mean, that's a given, I mean, these contracts, MMA contracts are basically the worst of what we saw in boxing. They took the option clauses of Don King that were forbidden under the uh, Ollie Act, and they said we're going to use that now as our basic business model, and then paired it with pro wrestling. <laughs> that we oh we're going to we're going to control every aspect of the identity of the person under a contract, and we're going to be a self-contained universe like a pro wrestling promotion. Okay, uh, some of the other parts. Oh, you know what? There was something that BC brought up. I don't know how current this is. I remember Mokikawa tweeting about it years ago. Is it true that? for one and i don't know to what extent the contracts speak to this that you have to be registered with one as an agent to represent fighters to what extent is there any validity to this and there are some belief that the ones who do work with one in this capacity take an enormous upfront fee to work in this capacity i i don't i don't know about the fee and stuff but it is one has, has said that you have to get licensed they they published a you know a, their, their basic standard for being an agent which seems kind of Silly that the promoter gets to decide who gets to be licensed and stuff, but yeah, that there is some validity to it. But I have not, I haven't, I haven't determined how much or how they're enforcing that. Okay, so you're not entirely sure how how damaging that is or is not. That's just a thing well, that's guess, happening. 
a way I want to frame that, John, is one of the biggest takeaways from your recent work from, I mentioned MMA analytics on Twitter, uh, is just how much I didn't know about the power structure of UFC management and why certain managers are super elite managers who tend to have these loaded stables and why is, you know, everybody going through the Dana White contender series all managed by the same person and all of that. And, and the connection between being a promoter and getting your promotion on UFC fight pass, and then essentially being like the gatekeeper for people to get to the UFC. Is there something like that going on with one championship to your knowledge? Like what is their structure like? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's something like that going on with one because you have the same, I mean, every promotion has that right now. They have, they have, they have managers that are in good, that are in good with that promoter. Uh, all of them do that because the promotions, MMA is built around the idea of the promotion. It's not built around the fighter as much. You know, we, we have major promotions in boxing, but it's still the sport is built around the boxer. And so managers have a lot of power in boxing where in MMA, because the promotions are self-contained, they have their own ranking, their own title, all that stuff. And you, you, the, the, the fighter doesn't carry any of that with them. So he can't use that as leverage. You have to go, you have to be in good with the promotion to get in with the promotion. So in a way, Carlos Newton, the guy that helped start the antitrust lawsuit, I think has a great comment about that. In boxing, uh, promoters compete with each other for boxers who compete for titles. In MMA, fighters compete with each other to get promoters so they can get access to get a title. Interesting. Um, in terms of what the one contract shows for negotiating, matching rights, what did we find out? It's identical to everybody else, basically. A one-year matching right. Uh, it's two-month uh, exclusive negotiating period. It's almost the, the industry standard on that front. Do they have any arbitration agreements available? That, that's another thing they have, that you have to, just like the UFC introduced arbitration, uh, UFC is always, all the promoters have it that you have to do in their venue of choice, right, where they're based. And they always choose... Like Bellator isn't based and UFC isn't based in California, even though the parent companies are based there. They moved to other districts. Uh, UFC does it in Nevada now. They've always done it in Nevada. And Bellator does it, uh, I think, New Jersey under New Jersey law because California law is way too favorable to the fighters. So that you have your, your venue of choice. One has that, Singapore. So if you have any problems with them. But they also introduced an arbitration clause. So now, before where arbitration was unheard of in MMA, now you got the UFC, one, and PFL, all of arbitration clauses. And those arbitration clauses, are, are you? how much of a fan of them are you? Oh, I'm, I, I hate them immensely because the whole point is, if you have a problem with your contract, now you're forced, you're forced to say, I have a disagreement. You can't go to the courts for some sort of relief, some right. sort of remedy. You have to go to their chosen court and you have to go to their chosen arbitration, uh, whoever judge. And obviously, and I, I'm, I'm just thinking here, Singapore is famous to be pro-business. I am. I doubt that they didn't choose an arbitration service that's not pro-business. So then you have to go there and then it doesn't set a precedent. So every other fighter that might have the same problem in the future they're, first, they don't know the results because it's often kept sealed, the arbitration results, and they have to argue it again. So it doesn't it doesn't set a precedent that would be wide sweeping across the industry. You know, we saw that uh, New Jersey Senator uh, Bob Menendez was caught in his house with like gold bars in his jacket and whatnot. Do you th when you think about Brian Campbell's ideas about how the how Zufa like pays certain guys but then keeps all of this extra money secret so that they can actually yeah, be good guys there. but then not Smell tell the, the government coffee, about guys. 
Do you think it does it remind you of the gold bars in Senator Menendez's jacket? Like, I'm just gonna leave this here for you right there. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's how they do business. It's it's like uh, it's it's you know I I don't know. They go maybe it's platinum they use. Maybe they use another precious metal just because mm. they're you know they're yeah. but yeah. But they all do that. I mean that's it's common in the industry. If you don't want people to know what the fighter's making, uh, you give. I mean here in this case, like I said, our contract shows that as a champ, his his basic pay to the contract was a hundred thousand to show, a hundred thousand if he won win bonus, and then two hundred fifty thousand flat if he was the champion where he held the belt. But we also sh- the the lawsuit argues and they have a text message that shows it that he got a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus and a special like we said sponsorship deal that paid monthly. Those are things that aren't in the contract and and you could also argue often that's done without the manager's knowledge because it puts a divide between the manager and the promotion. If you don't like a manager, you can offer the fighter money behind the manager's back because now what's the use of having a manager if I just negotiate with the promotion directly. Wow. Uh, it seems, John, there's an aggressive, like we talked about, like anti-disparaging control level in the contract. It's not just like it's controlling the narrative, right? I compared it to how WWE handled their athletes with uh, with PR in that regard. But, you know, hearing you on your podcast with with uh, Steffi Haynes, by the way, what's the name of this podcast, John? I listen to it all the time. The Hey, Not the Face podcast. Hey, exactly. It's not about uh, porn. So people confused. <laughs> uh love the work you guys do but the thing that jumped out at me huge was there's literal language in the contract from one that you discovered where it's not just you can't share publicly what you make to, to try to protect all you know all of that under wrap but you can't disparage the company at all afterwards so my question is how do they police that and and is 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 that unique to just this contract that you've seen well, it's unique the how far reaching it is. It's unique that there's a part of it that seems to last past the contract. Uh, it's not it's not super unique because we saw the UFC had something similar when they first came back during the pandemic. They had these non-disparagement parts of it that you couldn't talk about bad about anything they were doing at those events. Uh, but it's again, most promotions don't have it as as far reaching and as robust as one does. But it's. I don't know how enforceable it is, to tell you the truth. But I again, things can be in contracts, not that they're legal. They're just put in there as a chilling effect because no fighter is going to be willing to risk challenging it. And so that's often that's why stuff is in contracts. It's not that, you know, there's a lot of things. Everybody reads MMA contracts often and tell me, oh, that's not legal. But you need someone withstanding to challenge it. And anybody withstanding at that point is probably terrified of doing it because they're afraid sure. they're going to lose. John, um, anything else in these contracts that struck you as egregious or unusual? I mean, it's they didn't strike me as really egregious or unusual because they're in almost all the contracts. I <laughs> guess the 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 term the bankruptcy. The one thing that kind of caught my eye is they can cut you if you're, you declare bankruptcy, and I just I am just confused as why they have that right to do that. That's one I just have never seen that in another contract. I don't know where that comes from. If it's it's a singapore thing or what but uh i am not aware but they're not based in singapore anymore so i don't know why they would need that but uh i'm I'm curious about what kind of response from one you've gotten not just to this reporting but bloody elbow has done some reporting on tax filings that they've done in singapore which has now caused them to move i think some of their finance not just their offices but their financial home to avoid some of the scrutiny that these laws provide have they given given any indication of how one feels about your reporting well, they obviously disagreed with it. We went back and forth with the. Uh, I feel I feel for the PR people there, but we've I've gone back and forth. We've often asked for requests for uh, comments or interviews before we posted, but there was, 
it was never on a schedule that fit our schedule. So uh, yeah, they, 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 they've never public, we've never had any statement from them except for, I believe Chatri has gone on uh, the MMA hour and said it's all lies or something at some point. I can't, I don't want to yeah. be misquoted on that. He's he very credible. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. We're just quoting from the, the filings you did with the Singapore, your company did with the Singapore government. So I'm not sure what, just tell us, I, like I've asked before, just tell us what I misquoted, what I was wrong on. And I will. Well, John, John I want to check your standards, you know, business ethics. Yeah. Would you be willing to hush up moving forward? If you were offered a spot on season two of the apprentice one championship edition? I don't want, I would just take the cash. If you have money, just send it my way. And I will, I will leave this space forever. <laughs> I am, I could very easily be bribed. I'm very cheap. Look, he's easier me, than we thought. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you do not want me covering MMA, just start a GoFundMe and I will be done tomorrow. People think you have to fight your enemies. You don't, you just have to co-opt them. Right. Very easy. That's why I'm, that's why I'm in this. That's why I'm doing this. I am waiting for a big payday. The big payday that everybody tells me that the shills get. And as soon as I get that, I'm gone. All right, John, you should just we, get into stealing. Stealing is really going to be my business model. Your extensive coverage of all things involving MMA money, including the ones that are delivered in paper bags to the Nelk Boys <laughs> by Dana, as yeah. the average Joe fighter continues to struggle to sell their literal butthole so they can pay for training. Um, here's the question that I've always wondered. Maybe this is in your wheelhouse, maybe not. Why does Dana only hang out with early 20-something influencers? I, I I guess those are the people that like what he does. I don't know. I really yeah. don't. That's the, I think it's where he just is. Like his spirit animal is a twenty-two-year-old beer pong playing. That's fair. Guy, I right? guess that's fair, right? I mean, that's his, that's his. He's developed a persona that targets those people. So I'm imagine that's what draws those people to hang out with him. Now, John, you do so much great digging for this sport, and again, I wanted to bring that to light and com and commend you. But like, do you have a goal? I mean, outside of getting paid and doing great work, right? But like, are you like, do you feel like you play a role in the larger battle for for fighters to get what they deserve? Do you, or, or are you just doing your job and reporting the news? I'm always curious about that. Well, I don't. I don't think I have a greater role because I, I think I have a minor impact on the industry. I mean, you guys, thankfully, you guys have me on there. This is great, but. My impact, I mean, I remember going to a Super Bowl party for, not a Super Bowl, a UFC event, right, uh, party someone had, and the, the host introduced me as a guy that recovers MMA, and no one knew who the hell I was, and these were supposedly all hardcore UFC fans, so that shows you the impact I have on the fan base and industry. Most fi most fighters are not aware of what I do, most fans aren't aware of what I do, so I, I have, I know I have no impact on the greater space, but it's it's kind of a hobby of mine. It's something I got interested in. I like, you know, it's my chance to pretend to be a reporter. Uh, and so I do that. But uh, I guess my final, my end objective is, I mean, I, I don't think I'll be doing this forever. I guess I'll be doing it for maybe a couple more years. But I'm working on a book with Jacob Devitz, who used to write Sherdog. And, oh, nice. And then when that's done, who knows how much longer I'll go. All right. If we don't hear from him, Luke, that means he's either dead or Paid very well, hush money to shut the frick up. Okay, you know that's all. You know we'll hope for the latter, right? <laughs> At least oh, I'm hoping. I, I I'm really hoping. Fingers crossed. Well, you could find his work on Bloody Elbow. Check out the Hey Not the Face podcast with with his wonderful producer. It's John S. Nash and John. They asked uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in Raw Deal 
what his middle initial P stood for. And, you know, of course he said pussy, right? I mean, why, why wouldn't he slip with his housekeeper, right? Luke, that's your hero. You John, banged her the, out. He banged her out. What the frick does the S stand for? Oh, it's a secret. <laughs> Stands for secret. Yeah, there exactly. You go. That's as he yes. got that. Yes. So, yeah. all right. There he is. John S. Nash. Thank you for joining. Thanks, John. I, Thanks for having me on. Now, now that maybe the donks will lay off sometimes. Yeah, lay off yeah, that. Call man, the though, right? call your donks off, Ryan. I can't believe you <laughs> yeah. set them on me that one time. That was horrible. PC's donks keep touching me. Yes, that's I hear that a lot, unfortunately. All right, John. Great to see you. We'll roll on one more segment for you on this fine Friday. Uh, it's called DMs from Donks. Uh, no, it's called Dead Wrong. That's what it's called. Yeah, there you go. I'm not look. It's, it's, it's Friday, BC. Are you okay? Did you, did you just stroke out on me there for a minute? <laughs> I think I did, Luke. I think I did. Uh, no, morningcombat at gmail.com is your email. We stand trial every Friday. Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're dead wrong, and that's just what it is. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. The pedantic courtroom is in session, Luke. This one is from Des. I think it's Des Berry from Cork, Ireland, the guy who sent us that Christmas card on our drinking show, Luke, the day before. Yeah, that was nice. Or the, the day that I got COVID 18 and a half. Uh, top of the morning to you. Greetings from the southern end of Ireland. This dead wrong is for Luke at 2946 of Monday's episode. When speaking about the sphere in Las Vegas, Luke said, but if they can cook up something like this and the MGM folks know that obviously the UFC is going to be one of their clients. I can't wait to see what they come up with. End quote. Luke, this is dead wrong. The sphere is owned by the company sphere entertainment headed by James Dolan, owner of the Nixon Rangers and operated via Madison square garden sports MSG, not MGM is the owner mgm owns the t-mobile i think you mr thomas may respect my overly pedantic approach in this dead wrong have a great weekend and p.s i spoke to the elderly man that you squared off with during the plane ride on your way home from the canelo fight the old man said he would have gone third world on your ass if things had escalated any further thank you des thank you i did i, I did not realize that james dolan was a part of anything good yeah, that's about it. I think that's the only thing he's. You know, I mean, he, yeah. he's got that shitty blues band and and you know that shitty basketball team. He's got a lot of shitty things that he's a yeah, part of. Yeah, he's those guys like Ursay. Those are although Ursay's got a great uh, guitar collection. Luke, that guy loves to drink though. Loves loves to drink. Jim Ursay. Yeah, yeah, he's dude. His blood is twenty percent Tom Collins. Okay, I mean, okay, wow, wow. Uh, let's hear from Daz. So we go from Dez to Daz. Daz, like, back up on that ass and give these yeah. motherfuckers a blast from the past. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, about seven minutes. He says aloha, so he's from Hawaii, Luke. About well, seven minutes in to episode 497, BC referenced the old TV show, The Dinosaurs, but he mistakenly quotes the baby dinosaur as saying, knock the mama, when the baby is actually saying, not, N-O-T, not the mama, to its dad, a running bit during the show, Mahalo for all the hard work and content. So, Luke, full disclosure, I've always hated that show, but what I thought was knock the mama became like for a short season, like part of public consciousness, part this of this is the culture. most inside baseball boomer shit. <laughs> which We've fits you perfectly on this show so i did not know it took i was 45 years old luke and uh three months when i found out it's not the mama but the only reason i didn't find out is because that show sucked dude come on right i don't even understand the premise of that show it's like here's a sitcom we're just gonna make everyone dinosaurs 
Like, yeah, why not? all right, why not? I guess that's a thing so, we can do. Uh, it was the 90s. They weren't thinking very clearly. Thank you, Daz, for enlighten me, enlightening me on that, Luke. Okay. You know, there that, show, that show sucked ass. One more. They did not write who sent this in. So it's anonymous. They say, hey, guys, longtime viewer from Toronto. On Monday's show, BC claimed Canelo spent his training camp away from his family. If BC spent as much time doing his research as he does planning the same old dick jokes that stopped being funny two years ago. Wow, that's a, that a heavy-handed opening. Uh, he, he would realize that Canelo did, in fact, fly his wife and daughter out for the duration of the training camp as it was shown on Showtime's All Access keep up the great work wow yeah did you bc did you watch all access episode i did i did when framed that way luke boy do i look like an asshole right you know what I mean? you like, look wow. like a piece yeah. of trash yeah there yeah. it is uh i will take both of those dead wrongs to heart thank you folks um do we have anything else no right i've got some it. fan subs on here but that's it mikey right yeah i think that's it Mikey said these are these are definitely pedantic. Yes, they were. There's your dead wrongs. That's it. Morning combat at gmail.com. Uh Luke, we're one week out from this. Um Mike Perry might fly in and save the day. Dylan Dennis versus Logan Paul co-main event to the KSI Tommy Fury balls bonanza going on there. Are we really doing a live local and direct uh I, I would uh, like to. I would like to. Yeah. All right. From I mean, the row of eight, or is row, it, I mean, yeah, I would say, is it the best use of our time? I think that's a very different question, but it would be a fun use of our time. Certainly could be. Certainly, Certainly could be. I uh, would like to thank John S. Nash of Bloody Elbow for stopping by. Uh, Luke, any final parting words regarding the talk we had with Mr. Nash and these in apparently insanely uh, collar tying one contracts? Yeah, I mean, they just, you know, the merchandising part of it, we didn't even get into. That's a nightmare. The tolling provisions. Like, dude, I'm telling you, the MMA industry cannot function. Literally, it cannot function uh, in any environment as it stands today where the fighters have any protection or rights. Like, the businesses, as you understand yeah. them, would cease to exist. Like, you know a like, guy who could use some protection, Luke? Cowboy Oliveira, right? You know what I Antonio mean? Cromartie. Antonio yes. Cromartie could use, just wear like six condoms, bro. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to feel great. You just got to stop procreating, okay? Yeah, yeah, please stop. Please stop that already. Uh, Luke. Um... Have you ever double bagged it? <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that unless Brandon Royval's wrong. Yes no no have menu. you ever double bagged it? Uh, I I will plead with you, Luke. <laughs> you have probably no, absolutely. I'm not have to double. It's just, it's just a, it's the just, only yeah. reason you would have double bagged it is because the person you were sharing this intimate moment with must have been diseased. Yeah, um, Mikey saying that I don't wear them. Then the J, the I, the M, the M, the Y, yo. I need a body bag. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> we used to be able to walk around singing songs. Do me baby in middle school. And our parents were like, yeah, it's a good song. BBD. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Have you, have you heard like what female rappers today are rapping about? Um, money, power and respect still. No, 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 that's not. <laughs> okay, mm -mm, okay. No, yeah. it's uh, I mean, I can't even say, but it involves, you know, 
it involves ejaculation is really what okay, I was Okay, here you go. There it is. That, Apparently yeah. you said it. I, I can't say it, but I will. Uh, Luke, I wanted to shout out. Uh, my uncle is a musician, uh, Ian Campbell, and, and turned promoter. He's the promoter of the Black Bear Americana Music Festival that's going on this weekend at the Goshen Fairgrounds in Goshen, Connecticut. Look, you know who the headliners are? Um, Guar. Joan Osborne, Rusted Root. And send me on my way. But apparently they're not called that anymore due to a legal dispute. So it's like those guys that used to be that. Like the artists for what are they called? Known. Uh something. I forgot. Root no. Rust or some dumb shit. Yeah, like your StubHub Center for the rest of your life. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not changing that. We're not, it's not, it's not crypto.com arena, it's staples center. Okay, that's what it is. Do you see that 95% of NFTs are worth nothing? 95%. Oh, yeah. So, Luke, a lot of DMs about our, our discussion related to Dennis versus uh, Logan Paul. And people think that you and I are just old boomers who don't understand that people aren't actually supporting Dylan Dennis. Yes, they, they just, are. No, listen. Yes, they are. They just hate Logan Paul so much for how oh, he... Oh, and so you fall into the arms of another contemptible person? None of... The, I don't believe you people... For two seconds, I do believe that there the are enemy of my who, enemy, Luke, is my friend, and I think I understand. understand that. I do believe that there are people who don't like Logan. By the way, both of them had crypto issues, although I think Logan's were way worse. Both of those people, uh, like the people who be like, "Oh yeah, what it's really about is getting after Logan." No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. You donks who are really into that, you're just into like insulting the shit out of women along the lines of sexual humiliation like that that is appealing to the people that's about this idea well what it's really okay. about is okay. this is getting back at logan for his uh crypto zoo failures Shut i don't know if it's up. appealing to every one of them luke they 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 might have laughed at a few of the jokes understanding that they're crass and ridiculous and liable in some cases but i think you can laugh at a joke without necessarily being the most detestable person of all time and supporting something right Back to I me don't saying, think this is really about laughing about jokes. Back, this back is to about, me saying like, Kurt Schilling's a gamer. I don't, you know, I don't really follow a, his politics. He's, a, he's gamer. a gamer. He's a, might be a Jan Six or Red Junior. Yeah, he's a gamer. I mean, so is Pat Militich, big time gamer, Luke. Okay. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? he was. You know, he's down for the cost. But like this idea that what it's really about is just getting back at Logan. This is just that's the lie that they want you to believe, so that they don't have to feel bad or take account for or be measured against what it's actually about it's it's bullshit i don't believe that for two fucking seconds no no nonsense what is mikey bullshit. saying mikey who had a bad take mikey's the the take police over here luke yeah yeah sorry luke. sorry oh, take, uh, uh, to me this idea that what it's really about is getting back at, again i realize that there might be some element of that in play but for a guy in six weeks to go for 335,000 Twitter followers to a million, and I'm expected to believe that what this is principally about is getting back at Logan Paul, fails basic scrutiny. Not fucking true. Not true. Not true at all. None. Zero. Look, you're very heavy-handed in your takes. There, There is a gray area in life. Dude, you know are we sitting here and we're going to really believe that the people who are in on this are enlightened enough to make this about not liking Logan when, it, when we know this is gutter shit and you're going to get gutter people who like gutter shit? Like, that's what this is. <laughs> Well, to like, some degree, yes. To some degree, that's also true, Luke. But this is degree. this is about some more high-minded cause to fucking who? 
Come on. Yeah, come on. yeah, that's where that's where it's come at. On, stop, two turntables. I'm too old for microphone. these games. I'm too old for these games. No. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, Luke. Clap. Hey, back where it's at. I got two turntables. Yeah. Wicked, wicked, You remember the Butthole Surfers had a cool song around that time too, Luke? Um, I don't mind the sands of time. Oh, What's I can't remember the rest. Had? They had a hit. They did have a hit in that in that stretch, but uh, whatever. I mean, you know, it's just the 90s, right? It's just the best time of our lives, right? Luke, what's the best year of your life? You know, I was pretty cool in 2005. I, I have to agree with you on that one. You know, I was. I, I don't was. know if I've had good or bad years. I've uh, had easier years. Yeah, yeah, uh, 32 yeah. was a pretty good year. 32 was a pretty good year. I was on national TV, and I got married that year. That was a good yeah. year. Luke, can I do the podcast with bare feet, or are we crossing lines now? I mean, what are, what are we doing here, right? I think it because you're in your house. I have yeah, to. Let I, mean, it I am. Look at the corns on that Dude, guy. Don't you know, show people up. your hooves. Yeah, I did not scam anybody on only on on onlypipes.com. So it's cameo.com slash Brian Campbell if you want a ridiculously priced shout out uh, and, and a lot of love for me. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what you need to hear. All right, <laughs> try me. All right, yeah. All What's right. the so, most anyone has spent on you? I don't. I don't think I need to declare that, Luke. Oh, one time I got tipped the entire price. I can't. I don't charge a lot because I want people to be able to afford it, Luke. If they want a a little joy in their life, that's the whole thing of it. Also, I can pay for records and not get into a fight with my wife. You know, that's part of it too. Do you have a separate bank account? For what? For uh, no. Why would I have a separate bank account if I'm wed? If I'm if I've given my life to this other person for the last six years? I have a separate years. bank account. <laughs> okay, then that means that you guys don't trust each other. All right, I'm sorry. That's no, the it truth, just Luke. means that's, that uh, that's there's things I want to spend money on without having to get approval. Does, are the letters O or F involved in those? <laughs> not, not right next to each other. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. mostly for stuff like I don't know, weed purchases or shit like that. Yeah, you know? that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, what am I really spending money on that's messing up my life, other than Zequil? You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, dude, the energy drinks are going to kill you. So, Luke, I made an appointment today. Today, I went to the doctor this morning, and then I made an appointment with a liver specialist. Luke, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Because you know what I found out? I found out that I've been really lazy about this, that even though I've cut out the fast food and the beef and the pork for the most part um, and, and a lot of alcohol, I found out a couple things. I got to get rid of all alcohol, number one. Number two, really sugar. Sugar is my Ooh. enemy ultimately not fast food sugar is an extreme enemy and then i started to hear about how you know it can lead to like dementia and stuff like that if you're uh you know and also i i read about how much it tie it does tie in with your mental health your liver health so uh i i gotta attack this i gotta go after it i gotta get rid of uh carbs i gotta get rid of a lot of things okay i gotta get rid of these toenails too Luke. but i'm working on that too thank you jubilee i'm working you, on the that problem too. is the you can take the medicine that gets rid of the fungus in your toes but it bangs your liver up i don't know if you can with, tolerate that yeah well you know what i, I it's time to clean up you know because look I, I was telling my kids on vacation you know i was like i was always resigned you know if i lived to 80 that'd be great why can't i live to 100 luke why can't I still be calling Why fights in my eighties? I want to be, you know what I'm going to be like Larry Merchant and Barry Tompkins. They're going to have to remove me from the job, Luke. Okay. I got to keep this mind fresh because this is, this is my life. This is my passion. And that's the spirit I bring to this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's so good. Right. It's so good. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how good that was. You just repeated yeah. the <laughs> opening line of the show. That's been there for four years, but 
I do think that uh, take you know. Listen, I I had to get off the Zeke well uh, for that reason too. There was like it'll mess your brain up over time. So I, I mean, like, I would well. like you not to die, Luke. So what is your? Can we get off energy drinks? I would like you not to die. I don't drink energy drinks nearly as much as you might imagine. If I ever have them, it's in the morning for one of these shows. I didn't have one today. I had just ha- not even a quarter of a bottle of this. I had one cup of coffee, and that'll be my caffeine for the day. It's not that bad. Uh, my my caffeine intake is way down, way down. Okay. All right, that's good to hear. That's my, good to my hear. pornography intake, though, is still. <laughs> I mean, it's very because high. this is this is about Tukey, Luke. It's not about you or me or this stupid show. It's about Tukes. All right, it's she's true. the best. She about deserves. She deserves a werewolf. In I was looking life. at college prices, and I don't. I just you know, uh, I almost had a heart dude, attack. It's. I just did a uh, online a Zoom the other night about planning for college, where like you know some loan specialists give you tips. I'm not ready for this, dude. No, 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 dude. I, I was looking at no. even where I went you know like and what it is i want to oh, double check this it's here probably like a hundred thousand a year for the college of william and mary luke okay? so dude when i was oh yeah dude when, okay ready for this why when do you I always was, need expensive things why i went okay, to no, but when i went when i graduated no two <laughs> when i graduated no two it was five grand for everything a semester so 10 grand a year 40 grand for the whole thing okay that's what it cost that's in-state tuition in-state tuition now per semester is 24k so 48, basically 50 for the whole year. So we're talking uh, 200 for to go to Emory if you're in-state. And I'm not out sure of state, that's worth it anymore. I'm really it's not. not. It's, a, it's absolutely not worth it. And out-of-state, 50 grand a semester, 400K to go. 400K. Like, if you could, if I could have done it all over, Luke, I might have gone to a to a gross trade high school, like a, tech, a technical school, right? I could have got ahead of the game and got a skill. I wouldn't have been toiling in my 20s like a wandering asshole, Luke. And then sitting yeah, on the pine. You wouldn't, pine you wouldn't in my have been 30s. able to tell your audience today that you did whippets in the back of an Arby's parking lot. That, I mean, that really is the lowest <laughs> level of failure imaginable. With a Jumoka shake in the other hand, you better believe it. No question about it. Um, I guess that's it. I, you know, we could that's probably. We could probably take the tent down and put away the sleeping bags now. Yeah. Uh, Mikey Mormal, CBS Sports, thank you for your service uh, behind the scenes. Uh, that's Luke Thomas. He's, he's fantastic. You can follow him and pay him money every Thursday. Um, and Mikey, Mikey's saying, Luke, people don't like my price on, on cameo. I thought I'm a, oh, I'm a really? steal. I thought your price was like pretty cheap. Like 29 bucks. I'm a steal. I think Ariel's charging your like 29 bucks. Yeah. I think Ariel's yeah, charging like almost 200, you know? Oh, you think I'm, you think mine's too high actually? Really? I think you're closer <laughs> to the 299 level. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I'll, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's the end of this show. My name has been Brian Campbell and you know, you, I appreciate the love on Reddit folks, but we're not breaking up. This show's still here. Okay. Let's do that. Let's do the thing. Let's keep banging our fans. Luke one episode at a time until then take care of this upstairs, tip your waitresses and check that hole for loyalty. We out of here. <laughs>